Same Soul Productions presents Venice. Our pacing in this tour may be different than your pacing in real life. Feel free to pause as needed to rewind or fast forward. We won't be offended, I promise. Venice is easily one of my most favorite cities in the whole world. It's incredibly unique. The whole city seems to be floating, connected by over 400 bridges, but this also means that there are no cars and no traffic noise. The city loomed large in European politics and became one of the wealthiest cities on the continent only because they were so good at trading. According to the New York Times, Venice is, quote, undoubtedly the most beautiful city built by man. Although some Parisians may disagree, it's definitely up there. That also definitely wasn't the case when the city was first founded over 1,500 years ago. At the end of the Western Roman Empire, there were several invasions of the Italian peninsula made by the Goths and the Huns. Roman citizens began fleeing the undefended countryside, and eventually even the cities as they were overwhelmed by these barbarians. Venice is a swamp, and if you can fly in, you can see the maze of silt sandbars and islands that protect the island from the open sea. At this point, most of the region was made up of fishermen who lived in the various islands of the lagoons. The region was just out of the way enough that the barbarians left it alone, which made it an ideal location to hide out. As the city began to grow, it attracted more and wealthier immigrants. By 568, the Lombards had wiped out anything that could pretend to be the Western Roman Empire. But the Eastern Roman Empire, aka the Byzantine Empire, still had some holdings in Italy, including Venice. Around the same time, Venice had organized itself and formed its first central government. To make a really long and interesting story short, the Byzantine Empire would slowly lose territory in the west, which gave Venice increasing autonomy. By the year 700, the city had elected its first doge. Fun fact, doge comes from the same Latin word as the English word duke. Unlike most other Italian cities at the time, the doge was an elected political position, Without going too much into medieval politics, which I've been told is, quote, boring, this was part of the key to their success. Most other Italian cities had a bunch of powerful families that spent all their time fighting each other, like Florence, the Medici. The Venetian system, though, was unique in that it didn't allow for that and created a much more stable system, which inherently gave them a leg up over their rival trade-based cities like Genoa or Pisa. The other major factor for the city's rise to power was a strategic trading position that was both at the end of several rivers that led to mainland Europe and in the exact center of the Mediterranean. Lots of people tried to conquer it over its long history, including Charlemagne. In the year 810, Charlemagne sent his son, King Pepin of Italy, not to be confused with Pippin of the Shire, to try to take the city. But all those sandbars make Venice hard to come at by sea, and you can't exactly march up to it either. So the army hung out in the swamp until they all got diseases and died, including Pepin himself. In the treaty at the end of the war, Charlemagne recognized that the city was still Byzantine and gave them a shipload of trading rights, so to speak. Venice got another big boost in 828 when the Venetian merchants brought the bones of St. Mark back to the city. We'll talk about that more when we go to St. Mark's Basilica, but eventually the Byzantine Empire had enough going on at home that they gave up on the West completely and Venice became independent while maintaining good relations with the remnant of the Roman Empire. 
Twice, they would be granted trading privileges for helping Byzantine beat back incursions, the first time by the Normans and then the second time by the Turks. Interestingly, in the first agreement, Venice acknowledged its homage to Byzantium, but not in the second. This is a reflection of how much Venice's power grew and the Eastern empires diminished. I think the nature of how Venice increased their power is maybe my favorite thing about them. While almost every other empire in history has had a goal of taking over as much land as they can, Venice was really picky. Other nations could keep the farms and fishing villages. Venice just wanted the cities where all those raw goods ended up being traded. Rather than trying to gain control of the whole process, they tried to gain a monopoly on being the Mediterranean's middlemen. And they did a pretty damn good job of it too, because by the 13th century, Venice was the most prosperous city in all of Europe. Venice called their maritime empire Stato de Mar, or Domains of the Sea. Though they dominated trade in the Mediterranean, their longtime rivals of Pisa and Genoa were always on their heels. There was a key point in Venice's history in 1204, though, where things got really funky and led to some unreal stuff. Except it is real. See, the Fourth Crusade was supposed to attack Egypt and then retake Jerusalem but they didn't have enough ships to get there. So who did they turn to? None other than Europe's premier trading empire, Venice. So, Venice promises a bunch of ships to the Crusaders. But the Crusaders don't have enough gold to pay Venice. Venice actually knew that going in. So they made a deal with the Crusaders that if the Crusaders helped Venice take a trade city they wanted, they'd call it even. So the Crusaders attacked that city. But it turns out the city was Catholic. So then the Pope found out what was happening, he excommunicated every single person in the Crusader army, and now their only hope to getting back into Catholicism was to reclaim Jerusalem and get themselves recommunicated. But, being excommunicated, they had just lost their only source of funding. Just then, a Byzantine prince showed up and said he'd pay for the whole crusade if the Crusaders would help him restore his deposed father as emperor of the Byzantine Empire. Obviously, they agreed. And the prince got them into the city, and they claimed the Byzantine capital. But the other emperor, the one that they had just kicked out, he actually snuck out of the city and took the entire treasury with him. So now the prince kind of freaked out when he realized that the other guy, like Billy Joe and Bobby Sue, had took the money and run. His brilliant solution was to melt down all the silver in Byzantine and Roman icons that he could find to pay off the crusaders. But it still wasn't enough money. The citizens of Constantinople freaked out that the prince had just taken all of their stuff and melted it, and he ends up losing control of the city, and a third guy is brought in to be emperor. The crusaders tell this new guy he still has to pay up, but obviously he's not going to pay to overthrow the original emperor when he was apparently pretty okay with him to begin with. But there's still a giant crusader army in the city, so I'll spare you the absolutely unbelievably horrible things they did, like, seriously, in a time of terrible stuff, the things that they did were horrible even by their standards. The Crusaders looted the city like it was going out of style, and they declared Constantinople to be the headquarters of the new Latin Empire, which would last 50 years before the Byzantines said that they'd actually rather not be part of some made-up empire and took back the city. A few of the Crusaders uh, tried to continue to the Holy Land after this, but... Over 90% of them would end up giving up, and this is the farthest east they would ever make it. So that's how the bizarre Fourth Crusade ended. Now, Venice was trucking along, doing their trading thing until the 1400s. 
The Ottoman Empire took down the Byzantines and turned their sights on the Venetians. They waged seven wars over the next 300 years. In fact, it was during one of these wars that they accidentally blew up the Acropolis in Athens. The Ottoman juggernaut slowly chipped away at Venetian holdings. The fact that Venice was able to single-handedly hold off the Ottomans for hundreds of years is mind-boggling. Larger and seemingly more powerful nations crumbled when they faced the incredibly well-organized Ottomans, but the Venetians were able to hold them off without any help from the rest of Europe. But things just kept getting worse for Venice from here. Being a trade city, Venice was plague-prone and suffered three major bouts of plague. They lost 40% of their population in the first one, and in the second two bouts, they lost a third of their population, both times. The city peaked in the 1500s, a period when all of Europe would flock to Venice for carnival and mass shenanigans with the city's 20,000 courtesans. But as Europe began trading more and more with the Americas and India through countries like Portugal, Spain, and the Netherlands, it also undermined Venice's power base. The nail in the coffin of Venice's prominence was ultimately a little guy, so to speak, named Napoleon. In 1797, Napoleon came in and did what he did best, won battles and looted art. Somehow, Venice ended up being part of Austria until 1866, when Victor Emmanuel II succeeded in unifying the Kingdom of Italy. Now, Venice is almost entirely a tourist town, but its reign as the center of the Mediterranean trade also made it perhaps the most diverse city in medieval and Renaissance Europe, something that can easily be seen in the architecture of the city. Muslim, Catholic, Orthodox, and Jew all lived and treated in the city. The city was still Catholic, though, so sometimes they got really lame about Jews. The city is still a hub of contemporary art, though, and much of China's political art is actually smuggled out by way of Venice. Venice's incredible merchant-focused society and capitalist systems allowed them to hit way above their weight for the better part of a millennium. But ultimately, the very globalization that they themselves had led for so long overtook them. All that remains now of the once great trading empire is the city itself, one which may well be called the most beautiful city ever built by man. And that's what we call a callback. <laughs>